Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your host is Becky Olson. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Becky Olson. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Becky Olson. I'm the co-founder of Breast Friends. I'm also a five-time survivor of advanced stage breast cancer, a motivational speaker, and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. And before we get started, I wanted to just thank our new sponsor that we have, Electa. You'll be hearing from them shortly with with a banner ad and a and a little audio um, ad. But I do want to thank them. They they are somebody that came into my life about a year and a half ago, and they have just been a tremendous. Um, they're just a great company, and the fact that they reached out to support us is just a wonderful thing. So thank you, Electa, for for what you do. And also, before we start, I, I always talk about this little book that I have called Live Like You Were Dying. It was uh, written by Tim Nichols and Craig Wiseman, and it, in it, it has a little foreword by Tim McGraw and a CD of his song Live Like You Were Dying in the back, but it's full of little little. Um, just little short things that just really inspire me. And there's one that seems kind of appropriate to me today, and it's because Breast Friends is in its 20th year right now, and people ask us all the time, you know, it's it's so unusual for a, a small nonprofit to make it 20 years. How have you done it? Well, let me read this to you, and I think it will explain a lot. So that this just a little one-page thing. It says, what's the secret to success, I asked, Two words, he said, right decisions. How do you make right decisions? One word, he said, experience. How do you get experience? Two words, he answered, wrong decisions. <laughs> and I love that because that is kind of the story of Breast Friends. You know, we've, we did a lot of this by the seat of our pants, trial and error. And, you know, we made mistakes along the way, but you learn from those mistakes, you correct them, and you move forward. And I think that's just kind of life in general. You know, we we think we can't do something because we don't have the experience for it. Um, but you gain experience by by just giving it a giving it a go, and you do it wrong, fix it, do it right, and it's amazing what you can accomplish when you make enough right decisions. So with that, I have a very very special guest I want to introduce to you today. Now, some of you know her because you've been longtime listeners of the program. Um, she's been our uh, co-host guest with me on several occasions, and her name is Yvonne Neidiger. Uh, Yvonne is the programs director at Breast Friends, and I'll tell you, when you talk to this woman, you feel like you are truly in the arms of an angel. She has a, a very sincere and honest, heartfelt love for our patients, and she's really learned how, probably through maybe doing it wrong a few times, I don't know, we'll get to that, um, but she can really touch the heart of, of those patients that she serves. And again, you've heard her as my co-host, but today she's here as an expert to help those battling this disease. Welcome, Yvonne. I'm so glad oh you're here God. today. <laughs> it's, it's such a joy to be here. I, you know, I feel like I have so many roots in this radio show when I was first honing my skills. Um, a lot of time was spent co-hosting with you and with Sharon. So it's nice to be back. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited. So why don't you, for the for the listeners who don't know anything about you, and, and probably some that have heard you before don't know these things anyway, we're going to, I want you to take a, a few minutes and introduce yourself, talk about your family, your cats, your hobbies, whatever you want to talk about, just to let our audience get to know you a little bit. 
Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's so funny. We spend so much time um, talking to patients that sometimes we forget that, oh, yeah, there is a whole other part of me out there. But <laughs> no, I'm, I've, I've been very blessed. I have had a wonderful, wonderful marriage to an amazing man for over 20 years. And my husband, Mark, is my rock. He has provided uh, so much support in my journey, not only um, prior to my diagnosis, but um, now after. And, you know, having family, having um, dear friends, um, I do have, I will say what I like to refer to as my village, um, lots of lovely, lovely people in the Portland community who I call my my peeps and um, very blessed with that. Uh, we do have two little fur babies. We um, are, are tra- avid travelers, so um, being able to, to leave the kitties and know that they're being taken care of by avid kitty sitters is great, but my husband and I have traveled a great deal, and it gives us a lot of appreciation for nature and just the, just the beautiful country that we live in. Um, that's been a, a tool I've used in my work with breast friends. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a well-rounded, happy individual with lots of great, great things in her world. So, yeah, good stuff. <laughs> it is good stuff. And, you know, breast friends gets to be the recipient of a lot of that good stuff that you, that you bring. So we, we're so happy and thankful to have you in our world um, just because you bring so, so very much to the table. So before we get to the rest of this, let's talk a little bit about your breast cancer story. Do you mind sharing that? Sure, I'll just give you the the condensed version. Um, sure. We do learn doing the work that I do that it's not about us, but I'll give you the fast uh, five second tour. In 2010, okay. I was diagnosed uh, with stage three breast cancer, um, completely out of left field. Because I, as so many patients say to me now, I was a healthy woman with um, you know I had great eating habits, I was active, I was at the prime of my life, and no history of breast cancer in our family and out of left field, here comes this you know, rather monumental diagnosis. Uh, over the next year, I, I, I went through everything from um, advanced chemotherapy to a bilateral mastectomy to targeted radiation, reconstruction, uh, and then the hormone therapy that follows. So as again, as I'm, I'm talking to women, I when I, to the point I can add a little humor in, always tell them I feel like I had the full meal deal <laughs> simply because I'm now able to talk to and, and empathize with just about everything that a woman could be facing. So I, I do think that my own personal journey, though I would have preferred not to have gone on it, um, it did set the stage for doing what I am doing now. Well, and we're and we're going to get to that too. So why don't we find out from you, um, Yvonne? How did you come into our world? Um, you know, I don't. I think you came, did. You come in as a patient first. No, no, actually, well, and, and, and in a roundabout way, I was one of those women who, um, like so many of you that may be listening, I went through my treatment with the I'm fine sign up in front oh, of my Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I know that sign. Blazing. You know that sign. I and do. And <laughs> I, I was blessed, like I say. I had fabulous friends. I had wonderful family. I, when my husband had great insurance. We didn't have to worry about the monetary end. So I really, you know, why would I need a support group when I had all the support you could 
possibly want. And I, I wore that I'm fine sign really well to the extent that everybody thought I was fabulous and amazing and such a strong woman. And it wasn't until um, the Coleman Conference in Portland prior to the uh, race for the cure at that point, mm-hmm. and I'd gone to pick up all my gear to go walk, and I was bald as a cue ball. And, I and you were so cute. The... I've seen those pictures. You're, you were so oh, cute. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, I tell you, I walked by the, the this booth, and there were these women behind this booth with boas wrapped around their neck and they're these beautiful women on this banner and all these wonderful pink and teal things scattered across this table. I thought, well, i got to check this one out. This looks like fun. Then I walked <laughs> over and Sharon Hennepin, who is your partner in crime and my mm-hmm. mentor, was standing there in all of her vibrant glory and she spotted me, I'm sure I was a little obvious, wandering up to the booth with my lovely hairstyle. And she goes, Oh honey, how are you? in her cute voice. And yep. I said, Oh, I'm fine. Uh-huh. And she came around the counter and she grabbed my hand and she looked me in the eye and she said, Oh honey, how are you really? And do you know, Becky? That was the first time someone had stepped behind that sign. Mm. And it was that moment that I went, Ugh. And I can remember crying. And, you know, Sharon, you know, I I now have the skill, but she has the skill that in two seconds she can have you in those kind of tears. And I just, it was like the floodgates opened. And I thought, Mm. man, I have to become a part of this organization. So thinking that I was going to wander in and I was going to save the world and volunteer and all of this, I came to the office and um, at that point I was getting ready for radiation and, you know, again, Sharon was right there kind of guiding me and saying, you know, we got to finish your story before we start having you help other people. So, you know, it was just that initial Stopgate in my my cancer story that flipped me from really keeping so much inside to suddenly realizing that I could share. So yes, and and that was quite that was quite a day for me. I will never forget it. I you know I can only imagine that because well I can't only imagine I actually know it it is hard to reach out um, sometimes because that admission that you need help and need support is hard and just coming up to the table like you did was very brave because you know it's funny we've in in the office you know we have our office here in Tigard and we've seen women come into the office because they've seen the sign out front and they didn't really know what we did but they'd come in and then they kind of wander back and forth in the hall trying to decide should I go in should I not go in what's going to happen when I walk in and and that's brave too going that far and sometimes, you know, when we see them doing that, we'll go out and get them, you know, yeah. <laughs> bring, them, bring them into the fold. And, you know, and for you to just walk up to the table like that really, really was brave. And I, I want to just applaud you for that because, you know, you knew you, you were there not not for the same reason. You saw that you thought this is going to be fun. I got to go find out who these people are. But you still were hurting inside. And even though you were 
hiding behind that sign, and you hid it. You hid behind it very well, I'm sure. Um, but you're right. Sharon had that that ability, and that's something that you guys, I think, share in common. And I, and maybe it goes along with that little that little thing I read, you know, in in the beginning that, you know, sometimes we learn by. You know, we get our experience by making wrong decisions. And, and you know, the fact that she said you need to finish your story first before you can help others. There's a lot of truth and, and wisdom in those words. And oh, yeah. I'm, you know. It's a, you know, I think every woman, every woman who goes through this diagnosis, I've learned, is searching for a sense of purpose behind mm-hmm. why she has been been tapped by, you know, such a horrible disease. And, you know, purpose can mean a lot of different things. It can mean going back to school because now you see that life is precious and you don't want mm-hmm. to, you know, waste a moment. Or it's, you know, um, all kind of, I mean, severing a relationship that's been toxic in your world or um, embracing a relationship that maybe you have held at arm's length. You know, these are all things that, like you say, um, we learn so much as we go through life, and cancer is a gigantic wake-up call to all kinds of things that we we hopefully um, can at least feel that sense. Like I say, you know, for me, I've found my purpose in a very big way, but there's all kinds of opportunities for that for women. So yeah. There certainly I mean, are, and we're going to talk about purpose here in just a moment. Um, I, I want to ask you, Yvonne, you know, you came into our world, you started as a volunteer with us, you know, once you kind of got on the other side of all of this, and you began as a volunteer, and pretty quickly we figured out you really have this skill at talking to patients. How did did that come about? Was that a pretty natural thing for you or or was it all trial and error learn no no I I I would I would like to say I I attribute a lot of it to my parents um my my both my mother and my father but my my mother was the type of woman that um she would always be the first person to volunteer and to help out and to provide whatever needed to be done um whether it was through the church or the neighborhood or you know girls the the bluebirds and all of those kinds of things that those those wonderful moms do um, but she also was a woman that um, communicated really well and so I learned really early that skill from her of generosity but I my dad was a salesman and he was uh, he was Awesome. He was the kind of man that he would walk into a room and, man, everybody paid attention because he just had this aura and he was so kind and such a, such a, a gentle, um, sweet person that, uh, you know, he just drew people to him. And I, as I was finishing high school and making those gigantic decisions of what you want to do with your life, I kind of tumbled into a job at a retail store. It was beautiful old family business in Portland here, for those of you who are local, um, Zell Brothers Jewelers in downtown, and they were steeped in um, traditional values of retail where the customer came first and you were always um, on your toes to make sure people were cared for properly and their needs were met. So I kind of grew up in a service-oriented field, um, even though I was selling things, I was doing it in a way that was that was really beautiful and very um, 
educational in the same way. So, you know, learning all of those skills as I was growing up, um, as I went through my cancer journey and then came on the other side, Talking to people, whether it's in the grocery store, I'm, I'm, my husband laughs because I'm the first person in the line in the grocery <laughs> store to strike up a conversation with the I don't doubt that me. for a minute. <laughs> oh, my, oh, he just shakes his head sometimes because, you know, really I, I've been known, and my mother and I together going through home goods, I mean, we might as well just set up a shingle or a lemonade stand somewhere because we're so busy talking to everybody in the store. It's hysterical. So, you and my husband, you know, he does that too. He's, he'll see a, a senior wearing a, a military hat, you know, a veteran's hat or something, and he knows his whole life story before we leave the store. So oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I totally get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and using, that, using that premise that, you know, we are in a state of service so many times mm-hmm. in life, and sometimes that service is reaching out to other people, the jump into breast friends for me was was very comfortable, um, and I know that's not true with everyone, but, but like you, um, you can put a microphone in our hands or put a person in front of us, and, and we, can, we can make that connection. So, that's right. So, yeah, so I've, I've, I will say that I will give all the credit to my upbringing. It was um, part of, my, <laughs> part of my, my life skills I learned. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's wonderful that you had parents that, that taught that to you because that is, you know, the, this the skill of uh, communication is a skill and it's also yeah. a gift in a way. And we actually have to go out to break. So when we come back, I want to talk yeah. just a little bit more about that because you to me are, you are in the right job. And I'd like to talk about <laughs> why I feel that way um, for real. So anyway, stay tuned. We will be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. 
To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about reaching the heart of a patient with our guest, Yvonne Neidegger. And I just want to ask our listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast, Yvonne has so much to share, and you're going to find out in these next two segments just how much she has to share. But I would love to have you, you know, tell your friends, if you know someone who's going through cancer right now and they're really struggling, if you can share this podcast with them or their friends, you know, to get people more engaged in this whole process, it would be so beneficial to your friend who's going through this if she could, if she had people around her who really understood what was happening. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But before we do, Yvonne, I know that Sharon played a major role in, in the work that you do at Breast Friends. Did you want to say anything more about that? Yeah, you know, I think people come into our lives at the perfect moment. Um, Sharon had, um, obviously, was was the face of Breast Friends that I saw the first time, but she became the heart for me because she's the one who really showed me how to hone my own skill at what I do now through her grace and through her courage and through her commitment to her patience. She's one of those rare individuals that um, there's nothing hiding. There's nothing behind a closed door. Um, She really puts her whole heart and spirit into not only the work she does, but the people in her life in general that she connects with. So um, I love her to the end of the earth. I think she is um, probably one of the most influential people in my life, and I'm grateful every day that I had the chance to learn under her. So, yes, I, I definitely want to send out that love to, to Mama Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> and we do miss her. For our, for our other listeners, Sharon and I co-founded this organization, and then she retired this last year, and she, she and her husband moved into a fifth wheel, and it's parked at, their, at her, their son's house down in California, and they're traveling and, you know, just enjoying life. And I'm yeah. really proud of I'm really proud of her and I want to thank her for the the work that she did to help us get this whole thing going 20 years ago so but with that I want to just talk just briefly about purpose you know we hear a lot of people talk about purpose and how do you know what your purpose is and Yvonne you are the epitome of somebody who is living their purpose right now and I want to just share a little thing that you know I came up with this this phrase a long time ago and it's basically that excuse me your gift excuse me your gift plus your passion equals your purpose and what that means is you know we all have natural gifts things that just kind of come to us naturally that are easy for us maybe easier for us than than they might be for other people and one of your gifts Yvonne is your you listen you listen so well you really hear people's hearts when they talk to you you're not waiting for that opportunity to say the next thing you're you're listening and that is that's a gift not everyone 
can do that. And I really treasure you for that. Um, yeah. So that's just one. And compassion, you got a, an armload of them. But but let's just focus on listening for right now because that's a that's a great gift. And then your passion, what are you passionate about? Well, you've been down the road of this disease. You know what it feels like. You know what that sign is like up in front of your face. And your passion around getting women to, you know, to open up to you it's it's a natural i mean you're you're so passionate about that so for you to take your gift of listening and the passion you have for women who are experiencing this same thing that you went through you put those two things together and you're in the perfect job you know you you get to do this for you know for your livelihood and and i'm you are such a, an example of someone who's doing that and for our listeners i i want to share the same thing you all have gifts everybody has a gift and when you can take that gift and combine it with something you care about and it may not be a job related thing cuz you know we do have to work for a living and you know support ourselves but um but it may end up becoming a volunteer thing or a you know which is what how Yvonne started with us was as a volunteer and you know we we start in some capacity doing something and when you're doing that for you know in your day in your day and your day is filled with with those kinds of things your days are better because you're doing you're doing what you love and Yvonne you're just such a natural and I'm so thankful that you're part of our lives now too and you stepped into Phil Sharon's great big shoes and I think you have filled them extremely well so I just wanted to say all that (laughs) so gosh Golly, gee, thank you. <laughs> I'm blushing over here. Thank you, Becky. And, and you know You're where welcome. my heart is with all of this. You know, you know. I do. But yeah, like I you do. say, I think, um, you know, we find purpose in a lot of different ways. And sometimes it takes something like a diagnosis of cancer to provide clarity of, uh, you know, the process of defining, um, all right, now, now, now what is my passion? What is it that I, that, as Sharon used to say, what is it that makes you twinkle? What is it in your life? I have one of my, my young warriors uh, was very much in a job that did not, um, create any kind of positive energy in her life. And when she was diagnosed with cancer, she really found herself questioning why. Why am I doing something that I don't want to be doing that is toxic for me? And as she kind of proceeded through this whole process of treatment and surgery and what have you, she, she realized that she was the person in charge of her life. And she had to make a choice. And her choice was to do where she felt she belonged. And her passion was to go back to school and to finish out her degree and go into the field of medicine that she'd always felt a draw to because of an earlier diagnosis of cancer. So here she is, um, 39 years old, and she's gone back to school, but she couldn't be happier. So... You know, it's that natural progression sometimes that tragedy or trauma or injury, um, life tends to throw us these gigantic curves. And as I'm talking to women, and once they're, you know, kind of down off of that ledge and we're able to have that conversation about where potentially can this journey lead you, most of them will say that the path left to clarification 
and that clarification led to new choices and new opportunities. And, you know, like you say, it leads to a purpose, and that purpose can be something like going back to school, or mm-hmm. maybe it's um, a relationship that needs some shaking up, or it's an inner journey with their own self that they need to reignite. Uh, so many women going through a diagnosis of cancer learn to look within at themselves and to make themselves, as they say, um, you can't heal anyone around you or support anyone around you until you can find a way to support yourself and heal yourself. So That is, so, yeah, that is it true. It is an interesting process. <clears throat> like you say, there is a definite staging that goes on, and, and it's wonderful to be a part of that. Well, let me, let me clear. I want to draw back to something you just said when we started this in this conversation and you said that you know when you first talk to a patient you kind of pull them off the ceiling can we talk for a minute about how you do that what what are some of those first things you say you know like a patient will call the office they've just been diagnosed what's that conversation like and and how do you get them off the ceiling what what are some of those words that you use well, I, you know, when a woman first, and oftentimes I'm the one reaching out because, and this is a, a really good tip to those of you who are listening and have people in your world who you are wanting to support, and that is that if you ask a woman, and really anyone, to call someone and ask for help, mm-hmm. the chances of that actually <laughs> happening are, are probably about 10% because most of us will take that advice and we'll put it in that little Rolodex file we have and we'll say, oh, again, you know, I'm fine. So oftentimes I'm the one that's reaching out and and generating that first gentle touch and inviting them into a conversation. Now, when I do first reach out, I do make sure that they know what's at the heart of what I'm doing because these women who've been diagnosed have been hit by an onslaught of doctor's appointments and terminology and frightening, frightening um, treatment regimens that are in their horizon, and they're being pulled in nine different directions. And there's a, a, a stage, that first portion when you hear the word you have cancer, that your world goes almost into a sense of a vortex where you, you're you so unfamiliar and it's it's like stepping into quicksand. You don't know where to put your foot next and everything feels like it's sinking deeper. So to allow them to hear that where they are at that particular time, the fact that they are in a really scary space is number one, normal, and number two, okay, and that number three, it will get better. Um, Those are the things that resonate um, because everyone around a friend, family member, spouse who's been diagnosed, their first inclination is to say, oh, don't worry, you're so strong. You've got this, and you know everything's going to be great, and it's okay, and don't cry; it'll be fine. And what I tell them is, of course, we want to believe that. You know, that's that's the that's the upside to everything in life is to be optimistic and positive. But what I do is I honor the other side to the coin, which is it's okay that you had thoughts 
that are a little dark. It's okay that you're overwhelmed by what is happening all around you. It's okay that you're angry and that you're, you're so pissed off, pardon my French, that you just don't even know how to express that feeling. And once you start to open that door to the fact that what they're feeling, and not just what they're projecting to the outside world, but what they're really truly feeling at this time is okay, then they start to breathe easier. And they start to say, oh, my gosh, you get it. You understand. That moment right there, that moment when I've allowed them the opportunity to really voice, even if it's just a tiny piece of what they're feeling, that's enough to flip that coin. And now we're able to unfurl those claws that are, you know, in the roof and bring them safely down to a space where we can start having courageous conversations. You know, that is really such good advice because, you know, I know that when I went, you know, first went through it back in 1996, my first time out, you know, I felt like I was a you know, pretty strong woman, and I had a lot of people believing I was strong, and oh, this is you'll be fine, you everything's going to be fine. But what they, what I think a lot of times people don't realize is, yes, it's it's probably true that I'm going to be okay, but it's going to be a long, long road. When my doctor told me I was going to be on chemotherapy for the next nine months, and I was in shock. I thought I was going to just treat this and get back to my world, you know. Um, <laughs> didn't know I was going to be in chemo for nine months. I remember her telling me, and I just about fell over because I was busy. I had five kids. I had a full-time job. You know, I just, you know, you're too busy to do this, you know. And and, and, those and most women that, really are. They are they are in a place in their world, so many of them. And, and sadly to say, and this is something we discovered um, the hard way, is that there are a lot of women who are in what I would call a younger demographic that are being diagnosed, mm-hmm. even more so than, than the general population acknowledges or even knows. Um, it's, it's terrifying the number of times the women that I'm speaking to are under the age of 40. And I've even had instances where they are in their late 20s and, mm. and early 30s. And with these women in particular, like you say, they're busy. They have either young families, they're going to school, they've just started their career, they are dating, they're doing all of these things that life is happening to them. And to hear the words, you have cancer, is like this gigantic chasm opens around every aspect of their life and they feel like well now what do I do how do I manage all of these moving pieces so you know it is um, it's a it's a a step in this process and and again I equate it to that sense of quick stance so you know as a woman hears the words and hears the terminology and all of that knowing knowing and being able to tell them that then prepares them for that stage when they do start treatment and they do regain that sense of control. So, you know, there is is a natural progression to everything in life and going through a diagnosis has the same thing. And I think that gives them a lot of peace and clarity. So 
as a woman yourself who went through without having someone saying, this sucks right now, this is really terrible, but trust me, once this happens, it'll be better, Mm -hmm. is absolutely incredible because they know, all right, I'm going to get to the next step. We women, we want to have a clear outline of what's going on. When do I take the kids to school? When am I going to class? When am I doing my job? When am I doing this? When we have lists everywhere of all the things <laughs> we want to accomplish. You know, yes, we, all we do. do. Yeah. And cancer is the thing that you can't always make a list for. So until you can reach that stage where you can start to at least have a sense of control, um, it is a frightening experience. It is. And, you know, to that point, too, Yvonne, the frightening experience, I mean, there's, we've got, we have to wrap our arms around the interference with our regular life, you know, suddenly our to-do list comes, becomes about how many chemo treatments we have left to go and, and, you know, just check them off as you go. But then there's that underlying thing that says, am I going to even survive this? I'm going to go through all this and am I even going to survive? And the good news is most women do, but some don't. And when you're first diagnosed, you don't know which of those two groups you're going to be in. Are you in the group that's going to survive it or the group that's not? And and you don't know in the be- in the very beginning of all of this and until they start to see the tumor shrinking or they get the tumor out and they get clear margins and there's no other sign or evidence. And, you know, then you start to feel the hope that all of this, you know, but... It's just—it's a very scary time, and I think yes, just being aware is. of what your friend is going through is is really important. Well, we have to go out to break, so let's let's pick up the rest of this conversation on the other side. So stay tuned; we'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. 
To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about reaching the heart of a patient with our guest, Yvonne Neidegger. And again, please, 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 please share this podcast with your friends. This is such good information, and there are so many people that need to hear it. Um, so please do that. All right. So, Yvonne, we well, we were talking about the conversations and how do you engage people and, and really good input there. So let's talk about what advice do you have when you're talking to a loved one or a friend or a coworker. You know, I, I think, and I hear this a lot of times, that um, I, I, I love the analogy when I'll talk to women in a group and we'll talk about this, this conversational co- topic, and they'll all look like bobbleheads because <laughs> they all felt this way. And that is that as a person diagnosed with cancer, you spend a great deal of time making everyone around you feel comfortable. You're constantly aware of the fact that the people that are trying desperately to help you with their conversation topics and or, you know, the things that they're saying like, um, oh, gee, if there's anything you need, please let me know, or, you know, gosh, I, I just, I feel so bad, I'm so sorry. You know, there's a lot of time that um, a woman is looking out for the best interest of everyone around them, almost to the detriment of her needs. So for loved ones and family members that are out there and listening to this, the best advice I would give them is to go beyond that initial answer, just like I did uh, with Sharon, and really kind of stick a fork in it and say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you telling me you're fine, but is there anything you'd really like to talk about? Because I'm here for you. And having that opportunity to maybe share a little bit, I like to refer to it as turning the valve. Um, we suppress so many emotions, and you touched on it a bit about, you know, the fear of reoccurrence. And I've discovered that especially with my young women with children, one of the thoughts that goes through their head is, will I see my children graduate? Will I see my children be married? And mm-hmm. it's a common phenomenon that they will envision themselves not being in that space. And it's not that they want to feel that way, but sometimes to be able to have that courageous conversation with someone who really truly is listening and understanding that they just need the opportunity to share that fear and know that they're not going to be judged and they're not going to be held accountable that, you know, they're going to be able to say, I feel this way, and it's scary, and I really don't want to feel this way, but thank you for listening, because I feel so much better. It's like having a good cry. Most of us don't want to have a good cry, but when we do, we feel so much better, because we've turned the valve. So, for those of you who have someone in your world, taking that moment to go beyond their initial response to your obviously heartfelt question of how are you or is there anything I can do to help, if they say no or I'm fine, take that envelope and push it just a little bit farther. Give them options to have a conversation and also give them options 
to have support by leaping in and saying, you know what, I know you're great, but I really want to do this. And this could be get your groceries for you. Could be, yeah. can I take your kids to school one morning so you can sleep in? Can I fix some meal for your family, even though I know you're not necessarily eating a whole lot? You know, taking that control away from them in the sense that they're not having to protect you and they're having that chance to say, why, yes, that would be wonderful. I would love that. Because I know, Becky, when you went through... You experienced that from Sharon because she'd gone through without having that kind of support. So you probably have some real specific situations in your journey. I do. I do. And let me just speak to that because Sharon and I were co-workers um, and she was, she was 40 when she was first diagnosed with breast cancer and she was the first in our circle to go through it. And so for all of us, you know, none of us knew how to help support her. And I was one of those friends who said, Sharon, if there is anything I can do for you, let me know. And she said, I will. Thank you. And of course she didn't because like you said, we don't, we don't reach out. Maybe 10% might. So that's the first thing. Don't offer that unless you mean it. Because if you happen to be talking to the 10%er who will reach out and then you don't help them, they won't ask anybody else. So make sure that if you say that, that you mean it. But the thing with Sharon is, excuse me, because she didn't ask me for help, I thought she was okay. And that was the mistake that we make is I thought, well, she must be okay because she hasn't reached out and asked for anything. And then I thought, well, you know, her husband's there and she's got kids and but I didn't think about the fact that during the day her husband's at work, her kids are at school, and she's home alone. And she's not going to reach out for help because that's just not, was not really in her nature to do so. And so, you know, those words, if there's anything I can do to help, is a very natural thing to say. And it's okay to say that. But my advice is don't leave it there because, you know, maybe a week from now, you call back and you say, hey, I'm on my way to the grocery store. What's on your list? What can I pick up for you? Right. You know, right. or or instead of even saying, can I bring you a meal? Because now you now the decision's in their court. You say, I made a double batch of that spaghetti that you love so much. What time can I bring some by? <laughs> you know, exactly. now the question becomes exactly. a, a question of time rather than I have to admit that I need your help. And so sometimes even just rephrasing it so it's a different question, you know, or it's it's like I, my husband's cousin, um, Candace, and she did this for me. She called me one day and asked me if she could come by for a visit. And I said, well, you can, but my house is a mess. She said, I'm not coming to see your house. I'm coming to see you. And mm-hmm. she... But what she what happened was she showed up an hour later at my house, but she brought a bucket of cleaning supplies because now she knows my house is a mess because I revealed that to her. Now, I didn't reveal it to her to ask her to clean my house because, oh, my goodness, I'd never do that. But I was embarrassed because my house was a mess. So she came over with these cleaning supplies. She said, OK, I'm here to clean your house. You can take a nap or you can sit and visit. And I'm thinking, well, I can sleep when I'm dead. So let's visit. And her energy yeah. being around me. It was great. Now, if she would have called me and said, can I come by and clean your house or something? 
I would have said, what do you think I would have said, Yvonne? I know you. <laughs> what do you think I would have said? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, I'm fine. All, Thank you. That's you so said, sweet. Yeah, you would have cleaned your house first. So, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I get that. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's the thing with women. You know, we are such, you know, we, we are, as the book says, we are badasses. We are an amazing, <laughs> amazing species. And we have the capacity for so much. But cancer is that time in our lives when, um, and I, I'm, I've got a great analogy that I share with women a lot, and that is that when we're great, we're the first ones to say, how can I help? I will be there in five minutes. I, what can I do? And we do it. We are, we, that is on our nature to want to nurture the people around us. But like anything, there's a circle, and sometimes you fall down to the bottom portion of that circle of giving, and you're the person with a need. Now, when you're at the top and you're giving all these wonderful gifts to the people around you, they're getting the benefit of what you're giving, but you're also getting the joy that you feel when you've helped someone. Who out there hasn't felt that warm, fuzzy, oh my gosh, I made a difference? So in talking to women who've been diagnosed, and I'm going to beat this into any of your heads that are out there, if you are at that space in your circle where you are closing the door to help, don't just think about it as a way for you to have help. It's also a way for you to gift that joy to the people in your circle who want to help you. And if you think about it that way, you really are contributing back to something that is why we're alive. You know, our connections between each other are the reasons why we exist and have joy in our lives. So why would you shut that door at a time of need? And just that conversation alone has resonated with so many women that have come back to me and said, you know, Yvonne, you told me that. And I gritted my teeth the whole time I said yes. But when they did whatever it was, I saw the look in their faces. Mm-hmm. And I realized you were right. Yep, and I knew right. at that moment that not only was that simple act wonderful for me, but it was huge for them. Yeah. So it's, and I've had, yeah. I've had a lot of calls from people that took that advice and reached out to their friend and then called me and said, it felt so good to go do that for her. Yeah. And she let me yeah. in. And, and it's, it's huge. So it is a gift when you let somebody into your world to make a difference for you. It's a gift for them. You are exactly it's right about weakness. that. It's not weakness. It is no. not weakness by any measure. No. And especially for those women like you and I that maybe had a complete support team. And I just had a woman in the other day and she said to me, I'm embarrassed to say that I need support because why would I need support? I have everything you could possibly want or need. And I I looked at her and I said, well, you know what? You don't have someone who completely understands what you're going through. And she was like, yeah, but it's so hard for me to admit that. She said, I just feel guilty. I feel like I'm embarrassed to say, yeah, I could use some help. So, yeah, yeah, you know, releasing that guilt, releasing that sense of um, always being that superwoman um, is, is, it's a powerful lesson that will travel through life with you. So that is yeah, it's another good, one of those silver linings to cancer. <laughs> <laughs> now, early in our interview, you mentioned you were talking to one of your warrior women, and we don't have time for a for a 
complex conversation about this, but Yvonne, one of the things you've done for Breast Friends is you've created an entire warrior program. You've got warrior women, you've got young warriors, you've got rainbow warriors, you've you've created this whole system for those who live in the Portland metro area. They can tap into these programs and and continue to receive support. So it's not just a conversation with you, which is yeah. wonderful, but you have something that you've created here in our space to offer to people. But for those who don't live in the Portland um, metro area, the one thing we do want to encourage is, you know, you, you may not have access to these warrior programs that Yvonne has poured her heart and soul into, but you do have friends who want to help, and I'm sure. And if you're the friend, there are so many things that you can do. And one of the things I want to encourage is I had a friend named Patty who every Friday morning she would we'd get the newspapers out, and we had a standing date to go see a, a chick flick. And, you know, I knew my husband wouldn't go see him with me because that's not really his cup of tea. But, um, but we had a standing date. We went to the first opening of the day on Friday for the show. And we would sit and it was up to me to decide if I wanted, if I felt up to it or not. So that gave me something to do outside of just wallowing in my misery because I had days like that. We all have, you know, days like that. So so I want to ask you, because we don't have a lot of time, but this is important. So I'm just going to pour it out there, but I need the very quick version of this. How do you avoid burnout and how do you stay motivated and inspired? Because burnout's easy. You know, burnout. Um, I, burnout happens, in my opinion, when when you're gone. Um, it, it helping people, being being a part of someone's opportunity to uh, embrace life again, to watch a woman's face when we've spoken, and to see this light go on in her eyes that tells me that her her courage has come back. The warrior program was founded on the quote that says, um, the devil whispered, you cannot withstand the storm. The warrior replied, I am the storm. My role is to ignite that storm again in them, to bring them to the space where they know that they've got this and that they don't have it alone. And I think as people who are out there looking at their friends and family and thinking, how can I help? What can I do? Giving these women an opportunity to continue to be warriors. um, And that can mean something as simple as, like you say, taking them and doing something that is a normal activity, Um, going for walks, getting outdoors, recognizing the fact that they may have cancer, but cancer does not have them. Um, They don't have to have cancer define every inch of their being, but if the people around you suddenly isolate you and set you off in this space, um, that's a feeling of okay, I, I don't have that connection to any kind of normal. Um, yeah. And there are so many chances for people to make that leap, like yeah. a movie. Another suggestion for people. Wait, Yvonne, you know what? Thinking. Yvonne, I'm going to have to bring you back for another show. We're out of time. <laughs> so oh, looking my at gosh. The, looking well. at the 30 seconds on my screen. So, so listen, thank you so much for taking your time to be on the air with us. For all of you listening, this is our 20th anniversary. So think about this. Go to breastfriends.org for more information about us. Consider making a $20 donation this year in honor of our 20th year in 2020. So it's a simple number to remember. And remember, we will be back next Next week, and until then, remember there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. 
Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we are here to help you find it. We'll talk again next time.